Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. Right, welcome back to the podcast. This week I have Roy Fletcher, frontman of The Shed Project. So we're just going to talk about what's going on with Roy's band. Um, but before that, we're going to get back to the start about where he grew up, what life is like for a young Roy Fletcher. Um, I grew up in Bolton, born and bred in Bolton. Council state, rough upbringing. Uh, obviously, I had nothing, got brought up with nothing. Uh, 76, I was born. Uh, Mum and dad worked in the mills. Uh, so, yeah, pretty pretty tough upbringing, really, you know what I mean? Uh, didn't really have anything, and you know what I mean? And uh, just taught me own way, really, you know, if you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What was life like? Were you into football or music? What was the, the main thing? Is that Yeah, well... Thing? It all st- I think music started for me in 84 when Breakdance the Movie came out, you know, um, watching that, Turbo and Ozone and all that. But I hung about with older kids, you know what I mean? They were, I hung about with lads who were three, four years uh, older than me. So first first music I got into was rap music in 84 um, from right. watching Breakdance the Movie. Uh, Ice-T, uh, people like that, and Two Live Crew come along, Public Enemy. So rap was my real, real first love. Um, so yeah, and then obviously yeah. in '89 the Stone Roses come along and and uh, that, the Mondays and all that. Uh, so that basically changed my life. That put me onto guitar music, the Mondays, the Roses, uh, Northside, all that scene, all the Manchester scene. Uh, and then obviously you start looking back into the Smiths, Joy Division, um, Beatles, Stones, and all that. Um, so yeah, that that's my early musical influences and journey. Like uh, as in football, yeah, big ball one, just fan ever since I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. Dad used to take me in on Burnham Park, and then uh, I used to go to Burnham Park on my on my own then, and then we moved to the Reebok. Like uh, not so much these days, like because work gets in the way, music gets in the way, and things like that. But yeah, uh, yeah. still go, still go when I can. Um, so yeah, big Bolton fan. Cool. Um, it, it does come up quite a bit, actually, like the, the rap influence. A lot of people seem to kind of start off with that at, at a young age, kind of, especially maybe our age group. Is rap yeah, is... yeah, yeah. I just think the breakdance thing had a big a big thing on it, you know, mm-hmm. um, when breakdance the movie come out and then everyone's got the line and all that. And yeah, I think from from my end anyway, from, from where I live, we was all into rap music and Pretending we were turbo and ozone with our with our ghetto blasting and that, you know, breakdancing and but yeah, it's uh, I'm still into rap music now. I absolutely love it. I love I love Snoop Dre, N.W.A., uh, Biggie, Tupac. I, I still listen to it now. You know what I mean? And I've still got all my older electros on uh, vinyl as well, uh, right. which are pretty collectible as well. So I dig them out in that. But yeah, raps raps massive massive influence on me really. Yeah, um, you, you can hear it. I think I, like, you can hear it slightly in the music as well. Obviously, there are big influences for the Roses and the Mondays in there, but you can, you can hear the, the kind of rap influence as well. Yeah, well, they're telling stories, you know what I mean? Just, just well, the old rappers are, you know, from 
they're not they're all talk about money and bling now, aren't they? But uh, the old <laughs> rappers are telling stories about where they grew up and stuff like that. And yeah, that's that's what I'm doing in my music. Uh, I'm just telling people, basically, I'm telling people that you can do it. You know, what I mean, I'm not from a musical background. I've, I've, I've been been into to music all my life but I've, I've never studied music never been involved in music up until recently and basically i'm just telling everyone that you can do it you know what i mean and i'm just thinking about the everyday problems what we're all uh what we've all got you know so yeah, yeah i'm just expressing life really what what do you think of the the british rap like the grime and stuff like that have you get any miss funny that? enough my son's uh, my son's 25 he's a grime dj right um so yeah, they, like I say, they're just storytellers. They're telling it like it is in London and 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 wherever else, Bradford and all that, where they're from. So yeah, they're just storytelling, aren't they? You know their upbringings and how hard it is and 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 what's really going on on the street. You know what I mean and and stuff like that, which which I'm doing myself. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Kano. He's yeah, yeah, my, yeah, class, man. He, class. He's one of my dream guests. I, I went on, but I'm finding it hard to get in touch with him. In touch with him, like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, I love the rap. So, obviously, you, you said that you weren't free for a musical background. You've touched on kind of early influences. So, obviously, then what happened? Real life took over and you went out and started working and stuff. Yeah, well, uh, left school, painting and decorator, uh, and I've been, I'm, I still am now. I'm fit. 32 years painting decorating uh so yeah and and just well we got straight into work you know what i mean why yes and stuff like that um don't think i were clever enough to go to college and stuff um but funny on the music thing my mate played me um elephant stone in his bedroom in 1988 stone roses right. and uh, i heard that and it just ch- totally changed my life it just t- totally just put me on to guitar music. Um, it was it was unbelievable, unbelievable, and uh, uh, that changed my life. And then he put me onto the Mondays, put me onto the Rosie, put me onto all them bands, give me little tapes, and obviously then the Manchester Explosion and stuff like that. So that's how I really got into music properly. You know what I mean, guitar music. So for a, for a guy like a young boy growing up in Bolton, then running about the the Manchester scene. What, what was it like kind of being kind of down there in the heart there? It was amazing. Um, we were still at school then. It, uh, I would have been about, how old were I then? About 13, something like that. Um, but obviously aware of it all. We used to wag school, go to Athlex Palace. Uh, we wore the flares, wore the, the jeans and all that. And uh, yeah, we were well involved in it, you know what I mean? Just too young to, to get really involved in it, but Mm-hmm. old enough to get into the music and follow the fashion and stuff like that. And, yeah, I, I was really, really involved, like, heavy into it, you know what I mean? And then off the, off the back of that, the, the rave scene, you know, with, with, with the the rave tunes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh, I started going to uh, the raves in 92, 93 when I left school. Um, on the car parks, I've been to Burnley, Black. Blackpool and, and places like that. There was raves happening everywhere uh, until they got shut down in about 94, didn't they? Um, mm-hmm. When the government um, stopped everyone's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you so, seem to be, it, it seems to be like the perfect age. You know what I mean? So you, you've, you've kind of, you've hurt all these scenes at the right time. 
obviously after yeah. pop comes out and then it's just everything's been a continuation for there on in. Yeah, I have, I have been lucky enough to see these scenes and that and obviously then after the after the Rosies, the Mondays and all that and the rave scene there was Oasis. They they come on the scene in ninety four and I remember watching Oasis, I think it went late ninety four at uh, Academy three. And I, I just thought they were just an average band at the time, you know what I mean? Just another Manchester average band. And then six months later, boom, they imploded, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Time to place, isn't it, for a lot of scenes and, and, and a lot of bands, you know what I mean? It's just, I think it's just all, all about timing, me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it certainly has. Cutting through all those scenes and then what, what kind of spurred you in then at, at this age to say, Fuck it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my own stuff. Yeah, about 10 years ago, about nine, 10 years ago, a couple of my mates, John, who's in the band now, uh, the rhythm guitarist, and the Errol drummer, Carl, and sorry, uh, Errol drummer, Carl, and um, our old uh, bass, uh, guitar player, Vince, uh, they got they got in an attic of a pub uh, with my mate, Warby, who lives in Mauritius, and they were just jingling about. They couldn't play, but they they, they were trying, you know what I mean? And they needed yeah. a bass player. So I said, I, I'd heard about it, and I thought, hey, I'll, I'll come and have a look at this. So they needed a bass player, so I said, I'll play bass. I'd never picked an instrument up in my life. So they, they gave me a bass, and the first tune I learned was I Want to Be Adored. Uh, and then we're just messing about in this attic. We were called the attic because we rehearsed in a in a, in a Probatic, like, and then right. we started about 12 months later. We started getting a few tunes like Oasis covers, did a Rosie's cover, we did uh, a few other covers, and then eventually we did a gig uh, just for our mates in that, um, which which sparked me off, really. You know, what I mean, I'd always thought I'd always had things in my head and always wanted to write music and always wanted to be in a band, but just life's always got in the way, you know what I mean, and, and stuff like that. So this like started to spark it off. So about four years when we're two thousand and eighteen, I think it were me and John. Then, uh, yeah, my mate moved to Mauritius then, so the attic disbanded. We'd done about four gigs for lads and stuff like that. We're only messing about. Mm. Uh, and then after that, went me and John, who, who's our room guitarist. We got in shed. Um, he'd had a bit of a he set up a little studio, so he kept sending me these these little guitar parts on WhatsApp. And he, he kept saying, can you put lyrics to that? Can you put lyrics to it? And I said, yeah, yeah. So he, he just kicked me off writing then. And then me and John got in his shed. And within six months, we had 12, 12 demos there, 12, 12 recorded acoustic demos, what we'd done. Um, then the, Tim, who's uh, our bass player at the moment, uh, um, he'd come along. We met him in town, seen him in town. He'd heard what we were doing. And Tim was in bands in the late 90s, just local bands and stuff like that, but he's, he's proper tuned in with the music. Uh, he come in and then just started changing these demos into into proper songs. So then, in, in, obviously, it was in the shed, so we called it the Shed Project. Um, and then 2020, we had, we had living there. It, it was shit production. It was poorly produced. But we had a groove and had a tune and that, so we thought, bollocks let's get it out so we got it out people heard it and then we our second tune one shot that was the same shit production 
and then boom, uh, it, it, we just we just started releasing stuff, um, and people just got on us. People just got just started relating to us and got on us straight away. So, uh, yeah. and then obviously then the, the productions got better and better, and we we've got better at it. But it's just been a laugh, you know. It was just a laugh at the start and things. It still is, you know what I mean. And um, just keep writing, writing and, and doing it. But yeah, that's how the Shed Project started. Um, just me and John in his shed, basically. Do you feel then, to a certain extent, at that point, you were just kind of learning as you as you you went, really? Yeah, we just we we, we did that. I'll like for the first two years, just learning as you go along, learning because we were producing our own stuff as well. We mm-hmm. were learning that way in the in the studio and stuff, and then um, the t- the original uh, drummer left Carl, uh, and the original um, guitarist Finn's there both left. But then we got Shane in Shane McKenna, who who was one of my old mates. He was in bands in the nineties. Um, he was in a band called Perry, who supported Ash, and I knew he, he was really competent. So we got Shane in on drums, and then Ollie was only. 16, 17 at the time, um, got him in, and then it just completely changed the dynamics of the band, getting two proper musicians in, if you know what I mean, um, or people who have played before, because Ollie's been playing guitar since he was 11. He's only he's only 20 now, he just turned 20, but he's an absolute genius. Uh, so, yeah, when we got them two in, then the dynamics of the song started to change and stuff like that. Um, but we did a remix with MC Coons as well, uh, just before them two joined. Yeah, um, which put us on the map a bit as well, you know. So yeah, you can hear the difference as well in the the production with that point yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, as we 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 were learning as we got, got along, it it was when we released Lucky Number. I think it was June in two thousand twenty, mm-hmm. uh, and then we joined Twitter, uh, and then it just erupted from there. It just kept carrying on, carrying on, and then as we as our production were getting better, we were getting more people noticing us and stuff like that, and then. Obviously, then the radio stations and, and and things like that. So yeah, we've we've built it organically and 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 we've we've built it ourselves. You know what I mean? And word of mouth and and things like that. Um, yeah. Obviously, you say you you built it yourself. That uh, did you have any management or anything? Did you have any, no? Any, we've had uh, no management whatsoever. We've just done everything ourselves. Um, me right. blooming on social media, which is. Probably ninety percent of the of the thing now, the social media thing. You're getting yourself out there, mm-hmm. uh, and then just just pestering as many people as we like, radio stations and, and people as we could. But we have uh, we've had a guy helping us for two years called Malk. Uh, um, he's been in the business like thirty odd years, and uh, well, he's eventually become our manager now. He become our manager last year, um, and he sort of looks after us on obviously the gig thing, stuff like that. So that's took a bit of pressure off me because I was doing everything, um, the social media side and all that. But it, it's a, it's still like a, a really passionate hobby, you know what I mean? I don't I don't see it as a a career or anything like that, and and just a buzz, you know what I mean? We're just five lads enjoying it and and, and writing music. Yeah, um, I mean, you have been very prolific for for like twenty. 2020 releasing your first single and yeah you, yeah we have yeah I mean you've you've released like, like nine singles or something that ended up on the album so yeah like, yeah you, you were releasing stuff constantly which yeah it was that the plan to kind of keep drip feeding 
well, it was lockdown as well, wasn't it? So we were yeah. bored. <laughs> we were sneaking around each other's houses and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was it was just boredom. Well, not boredom, but it was just trying to get it out, get it out, get it out. Because we did it the other way around. We, we, we put our music out first and then started gigging. Whereas you get these bands who start gigging and, and, and put the music out afterwards, you know. So... But I think it just all worked to our advantage. The timing with, with, with COVID and a lockdown and us getting our music out, people had more time on their hands to check new mm-hmm. music out and check new bands out. So, yeah, it, it just it just really got us going that way, you know, just keep releasing, releasing, releasing. And, and, and um, yeah, and then we did our first gig um, two years ago, nearly two years ago at the Phoenix Club. And we hadn't, like... 380, 400 people at our first gig, you know, we, we, we sold out in a week. And then two months after that, we played Manchester. We sold that out in a day and it, it just carried on from that and carried on. And this time last year, we, we, we played Manchester Academy three, which is a dream for me because of, of the bands I've seen there and stuff like that. So yeah, we just, we just keep chanting it and, and just keep doing it. But we've got quite a good following now. So it's, it's worked to all worked to our advantage, but nothing's been planned. We didn't sit down and say, right, we're gonna do this, do that, and plan this and plan that. It's just all been done off the cuff, and people have got on us. So yeah, buzzing. Yeah. I think if you did plan it, it would all go to shit, wouldn't it? It's it's. Well, oh yeah, I'd, like I say, it's a lot of it in this industry. In this industry, do you know? You know, it's who you know and. Yeah. What have you? And but we've, like I say, we've just done it ourselves. We've got our own little fan base, and and we've just built it like that. And uh, I'm quite proud of that. That we've we've done it all on our own. You know what I mean? And we've not had any help and and stuff like that. Obviously, we've had people on Twitter and and people like that sharing our stuff, and we're grateful for that. And but all the proper graph has been done by ourselves, and to put our own gigs on and stuff like that, and to sell them out, mm-hmm. and which has been good as well. Uh, yeah, buzzing. Going to the going back to the guys, how was it? What was it feeling like the first time? Statement. Oh, it was. As shit it was project? unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Like to to have them songs and then people singing back to you. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just unbelievable. And to have that many people turn out for our first gig. Your first gig, you're expected to play to twenty people in a shitty mm. old bar, you know. But we we filled the Phoenix Club in Bolton, and. Uh, and we had them coming from everywhere. We had Scotland, Ireland, you know, down south, all coming for our first gig, and it was mad. But yeah, it was an awesome, awesome buzz to get up there finally and, and belt them out. And uh, the momentum just kicked on from there. Um, I think, like, we did London in February this year, and the Water Arts in London, which is another iconic venue. And I always yeah. get on sober, me, and my body was up here. And it was looking down on my own body a bit when I started singing my life, the third song, and they all started singing back. And it's just, I've had every drug in the world, but fucking hell, man, that, that, to, to have them all singing back to your own, your song, what you've written in a fucking shed, it's just yeah. like, man, wow. You know what yeah. I mean? What a book. It must so, be yeah. some buzz. Um, yeah, yeah, it certainly is. I, I, it's the sort of thing, I mean, I'm probably the same as you. It's the sort of, I, I've never, been musical, like I've loved music all my life. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've never been yeah. able to play a musical instrument, and it'd be my dream to do something like that. That that's why 
I've got this podcast. It's a, the best thing I can do is to interview. Yeah, people. yeah, yeah. Is it get people out and stuff like that? Like I say, it helps, doesn't it? I mean, it helps the bands and gives bands exposure and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, what's how would you describe the the music scene like where you are at the moment? In Bolton, it's not too great. Um, it, it used to be, but they've shut everything down. They've just opened. They, they, they had a the main place in Bolton was Blind Tiger, and then they shut it down, and it just went a bit shit. But uh, the lads, uh, they called definitely maybe they've reopened it. And it's they're having bands and artists on every week, so it's picking up a little bit. Um, the two main bands in Bolton was Arfold uh, and the Jade Assembly. Jade Assembly still going. Uh, Arfold have just got back together uh, with the really good pals of ours as well. Um, so there's those Arfold. There's only about five bands, five or six bands from Bolton, but um, everyone else helps each other out. But the scene in Bolton's pretty shit, to be honest. There's, there's only definitely maybe as a as a kind of venue, you know what I mean. Right. Um, but we're playing we're playing Right to Rome Festival this week in Bolton, and uh, it's it's a big two day festival, mm-hmm. and they've got some big names on it, so that should perk it up a bit. Like this week, we've like put Bolton on the map a bit, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's not much going on in Bolton, unfortunately. In guitar music, it's all in Manchester, isn't it? Yeah, um, so that, that's what I was gonna say. Then that's uh, is everything more focused to Manchester, Liverpool sort of? Yeah, areas. yeah. You, you have got so many bands like throughout the northwest. There, there's plenty of bands running about. Yeah, there's loads. There's there's loads from. Manchester from Northwest and Wigan's a massive scene. Uh, there's some crackers from Wigan, uh, Manchester, uh, all around really. But um, yeah, Manchester's. We focused on Manchester straight away. You know, we did the Bolton gig, our first gig, and then we did Manchester. We've done Manchester quite a few times, and and this year we planned to just say, right, we've done Manchester now. Let's get out there. Um, but we were supposed to do. We did London. And we were supposed to do Glasgow and Birmingham off the back of that, but uh, we had a promoter who didn't boot the fucking venues. Yeah, I know so that, that story, yeah. Yeah, so I that was got... on that, um, I was on that WhatsApp group that a wee day's WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, oh, well, he... Seen it I'm not going to slag him off, but he knows how I feel about it, you know what I mean? So that fucked our momentum up a bit, you know what I mean? And we tried to salvage the Birmingham gig and it didn't happen, but uh, we were doing Glasgow next month. So, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen the 29th of July, is it? Yeah, I can't wait. Audio. Yeah, We've got I'm... a box of trash on. Yeah. Uh, Nick Shane. I was going to come along, but I've got tickets to see the Snuts that night. They're playing as Have well. Yeah, they're decent, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they're playing the Friday and Saturday. Obviously, you are playing the Saturday night. So, yeah. Um, it's not going to work, but I'll make sure that I'm here for the next time you're up in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, we just want to test the waters and see. Well, you should be. If you've had people coming down to Scotland for your gigs, um, I'd, ima- I'd imagine you're, it's, you're going to get a good permit up in Glasgow. Yeah, you know? I hope so. You know what I mean? It, it'll be good. And, and once you get a connection with the Scottish fans, and it, 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 they're up for it, aren't they? You know what I mean? I've, I've been to some of my best gigs up in Scotland. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, the kids talks of Barrylands and all that, and and Glasgow Green, obviously with the roses and 
the fucking mental, aren't they? You know what I mean? It's a hit, isn't it? Uh, yeah, um, I think if 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 the if the Scottish audience gets you the day that you stick with you, I was speaking to Damon Manchella a couple of episodes ago, and obviously yeah. the the connection that Ocean Colour scene had with Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Some of the some of their biggest gigs were played up here. Yeah, well, the Skylights have got it with Aberdeen. They they've got a, a little uh, connection with Aberdeen. They've done a song mm-hmm. for them, Stand Free, and that, and and they've got a massive following out Aberdeen. So if we can start something like that in Glasgow and Edinburgh and things like that, you know, we'll be up there all the time. Um, but yeah, it's new waters for us. You know what I mean? Coming out of Manchester and stuff, it's it's all right selling out in front of your, your local people who are there all the time. But um, it's like London, and we, we've pretty much saw water outside and fucking hell, it blew my mind, you know, to see that only like 20, 30 people have come from Bolton and 100 people of them are from London who've yeah. just come to fucking see us, you know what I mean? And so grateful, you know, so hopefully we can do that in Glasgow and, and get a bit of a following up there. Well, that's um, it. I yeah. think once you've got, once you've, you've tackled Manchester then you've been down to London, up, up to Glasgow, that's you then, you can, People will travel for the, the places to yeah yeah other places that, in between and that that's that's what will get you a wee network up and down the country yeah well that's what we're trying anyway you know what I mean we've started to get good connections up there with Cami and uh, and obviously box of trash every Sunday the we're pretty de- we tried to get them on supporting us but they couldn't do it um, but yeah we get we starting to get a little network up there with people as well you know so. Well, definitely, if it goes well, we'll definitely be up there again, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, fingers crossed. You had a new single last year as well, Our Fear is Our Power, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, what's the plans? Is it going to be an album this year? Yeah, well, it's, it's nearly done, the album. It's going to be called Our Fear is Our Power as well. Um, obviously, I'm fucking at them Tory cunts, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> It's all about the bullshit. What they just come out with these lying bastards. You know what I mean? These politicians. They just they just employ to bullshit, aren't they? They're just professional bullshitters. And so yeah. I, I wrote a song called Modern Way on our last album. That's that's about these fuckers. And I'm just carrying it on now. You know. Um, so yeah. Um, but there's going to be there's ten new songs on the album. We, if you know, you know, is going to be on it, which we released last year, but we've remastered it. Um, obviously, our fear is their power. That's the title of the album. I got the cover yesterday, actually. Um, and then there's gonna—I think our next release is, is called Ghost Town. Um, that's about all these uh, towns outside the cities, what have become shitholes and no-go areas, and you know what I mean. They're spending yeah. all this money in the cities, but they're not spending it outside the cities, you know. And uh, that song's about that. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot more. Subjects, real life subjects, and 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 stuff on the album too. Um, should be out in October, late October, early November. Well, so we'll That's release great. one more single off it, and then that'll be it. Then yeah, we'll get it out. I think that's it. The beauty of politics um, for all the the grief they causes when it comes yeah. to music. You know what I mean? There's, you've got an endless supply of subject matter. You get plenty of yeah. with these. Okay, well, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people shit scared of, of, of talking about it and singing about it because they're scared of losing the spots on these festivals and I'm scared of the, I don't give two shits, you know what I mean? If I see it, 
I'll call it and I'll sing about it. So there's going to be a lot more of that coming, if you know what I mean. Because, um, like I said, I've lived through it, lived through the shit, you know, and it's it's time for people to wake up what's going on, you know what I mean? And people will still vote these fuckers, you know what I mean? They're just yeah. lying, lying bastards. What um, you said with that, obviously, like I mentioned the snuts earlier, like they, they've been quite critical. Um, obviously, they at least that single burn the empire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like they get no coverage on. They played Transmit last year, and there was like they never showed, they never showed half the set because they're worried about what they'll say. You know, yeah, that's what I mean. Scene. You can't fucking say it. You know, we've but, never been playing. We've never, we've never been playing on the BBC introducing. They're, they're fucking. They're, they're, it's like you know, what I mean, everyone around us gets played on the BBC. That's that's us and. Just uh, other fucking DJs as well, or they just won't play us, you know what I mean? Which I'm not asked about. You, you just fucking well, that's exactly because it does it really matter what they think? And yeah, well, it, it, it is a bit disheartening when it is a bit disheartening when everyone's around you getting played on radio X, on John Kennedy on radio X, and then you're the only fucking single what's not and shit like that. And same with the introducing the BBC, so it is frustrating because we know our music's good enough. And, and and stuff like that and this feeling as well they they got absolutely no fucking time whatsoever for us you know what I mean which I'm not really asked but it's right. just like they do the best new bands fucking playlist every week and there's always one ambition you know? so <laughs> I think that's a good thing though you know what I mean fuck them uh, we'll just keep doing what we're doing got the people on side and that's all what matters that's I, I was looking at getting them um... Mikey Jones for this feeling on, so if I get him on, I'll... I'll if you get him on, just say, why the fuck do you never play the Shed? Why do you never put your, the Shed project on your best new band playlist? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it seems... I've never met the guy, because... you know what I mean? They do a lot of good for the music game, you know what I mean? They do a lot of good, and... Um, but, like I say, when we're blatantly getting ignored off people, it just winds me up, you know? What do you, what do you think that is, then? Is it... Is it... Because he's older, do you think? I think it's because we're older and wiser, yeah, because, like I say, because a lot of these no, kids... You're not going to be told what to do as well. I don't give it? a shit. No, I'm not. I'm not. Like I say, we do things in our own terms. If it don't suit us, we'll fuck off, you know what I mean? And they, they, they're getting these young kids to travel fucking halfway down the country for 50 quid. It's not even covering the petrol money, you know yeah. what I mean? And. There's a lot of it about we we've all, we, every support band what's supporting us we've sorted them out you know what I mean and proper looked after them and and yeah, and stuff like that and I'm not having anyone coming supporting me and not, and they can't even fucking cover the petrol you know what I mean it, it's fucking wrong but a lot of a lot of these kids will do it because they want to get on that big poster you know what I mean and so I get on that big poster at Isle of Wight Festival but playing in front of fucking ten people. And then it's yeah. costing you money to do it. You know what I mean? What's the point? And I think there's more and more people coming out about this now, and that the gigging scene and all that. There's there's a few established artists coming out that it's costing them money to fucking do it. You know what I mean? And and while these festival makers are, are making fucking thousands of pounds and yeah. paying peanuts yeah. to people. Well, that's just so. a fact. I mean, I've I'm kind of done with festivals as well. Kind of the, the model of festivals, as you say, I look, it's today with a promoter selling so many acts. It's not really, I don't think it always reflects what's, what's yeah, good no. on the music scene at the time. As you say, there, there's so many bands missing it. 
Yeah. Well, I understand, obviously, with the, the old, the established bands, they've got to sell tickets, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll always sell tickets with established bands, but the, the, the unsigned stages, they're all the same. They're all the same fucking bands. I can predict the first eight bands who are going to be on these unsigned, these so-called unsigned stages. You can predict them straight away, and every post is the same. And it's like, fucking hell, give these kids a chance. Give You know what I mean? And, and But pay them properly. You know, I'll get, at least cover the fucking petrol money and give them a bit of fucking scram. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I think a lot of a lot of it is to do with age because obviously when you're older, you're wiser and you don't say no shit, basically. You know what I mean? And so I think that's I'm pretty outspoken on it anyway. You know what I mean? So I bet they all think I'm a cunt, but I don't give two fucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, quite right, mate. That that's it. Yeah. yeah, I mean you've got that far yourself so what why would you um why would you want to count there's a lot of good but there's, there's there's a lot of good people in in the industry though you know what i mean i'm i'm not gonna say everyone's bad but there's more bad than good let's just say that you take advantage of these kids and and it'll spit them out fucking as much as they took them in you know what i mean if they can't sell tickets bang they won't use them and they won't nurture them they'll, they just want them to sell tickets and that's that you know what i mean and it's, it's it shouldn't be like that, but it's, it, everyone's got to make money, I suppose. When you these promoters and things like that, yeah. I mean, well, that's is it. If you see, you mentioned you've been in King Tuts, you've been in gigs and King Tuts, and that you've been in the toilets there, or that quote in the toilets about the music industry. Um, there's a bit all the assholes and all that, and they're just your pals. Um, yeah, I can't even mind the quote right off the bat. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's that's the same. I mean, same for me with the podcast. I've met a lot of a lot of good people, and there is a lot of cunts as well. But you kind of well, that's fresh, life in general, isn't it? You know, what them, I mean? yeah. You just gotta see through them, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's why I think we we get a little bit ignored, if you know what I mean, because I say it how I see it, and that's it. If I'm wrong, I'll fucking hold my hands up and say I'm wrong. You know what I mean? But. Um, yeah, it's it's mad, mate. It's mad. I I I'd heard off one promote that one promoter were paying uh people in beer for a festival. That's not they didn't even get they didn't even, I'm not gonna name them, but um <laughs> yeah, they fucking they, they were paying them in beer at a festival they played for them. Fucking unbelievable, isn't it? You know what I mean? So <laughs> for fuck's sake, man. I know, yeah. I know. Aye. So obviously you're on your tea break at your work. So yeah. I'll not keep you too much longer. As it's you say, right, man, no problem. A gig in July, 29th of July, up in Glasgow. Album out in October. Obviously, the podcast is called Time for Heroes. So what I ask for at the end of the podcast is four heroes, pick four heroes to come for dinner. Um, why are they your heroes and what would you cook for them as well? Uh, first one's got to be Bruce Lee. Right, that's king, a isn't he? Man, yeah, dude, yeah. Isn't he? You know, everyone who grew up in the seventies, early eighties, fucking thought they were Bruce Lee. Still think I am, you know what I mean? And uh, he's just a man, isn't he? Um, as soon as you watch a Bruce Lee film, you're running right out, kicking fucking your daddy knackers and shit. And <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, when I was a wee boy, I had like me, I had a Bruce Lee doll. See, like an action man type yeah, doll, yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee, like things like that that you wouldn't get anymore. Yeah, well, like I say, if he, if USC were about when he were about, you know what I mean? I think 
he would have bossed all that and just cool as fuck, isn't he? You know what I mean? Just a cool mother. I think he's influenced so many people in life, Bruce Lee, uh, even with his philosophy on life and things like that. So, but Bruce Lee, and I think I had to make him uh, sweet and sour chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't mind. <laughs> but yeah, man, Bruce Lee would be the first one. Um, second one, Ian Brown, the king, coolest frontman ever. Uh-huh. Um, basically, one of probably my biggest influence in my life, Ian Brown. As soon as I saw him, just cool as fuck, attitude. Um, he's not scared about singing about things, you know what I mean? Always wears that on his sleeve, and it, mm-hmm. he just doesn't give two fucks, you know what I mean? And never been one for the showbiz uh, side of it as well. Always kept himself to himself and just fucking made the great, well, probably one of the greatest albums ever, you know what I mean? But, along with the Roses um, followed him since 88 when I first got into him and been to most of his solo shows all over the world and country and stuff like that so yeah Ian where, Brown mate when did you see the Roses last? Um, the Roses last was Leeds I saw him uh, I went to all three shows at Leeds right. um, so yeah I'm pretty I'm lucky my me, me me ex-missus used to work at Sassoon's Fidel Sassoon's in Manchester um, and she's with there for a year, but she obviously started to know rock stars and things like that. Um, so I'm lucky I, I get my ticket through her, you know what I mean? So I'm pretty lucky that way that I, I, I get tickets and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I've been lucky over the years to get free stuff and, and go to gigs and stuff like that. That's brilliant. I, I just feel, I feel blessed, obviously. I, I was too young for the Roses, like, at the time. I knew who the Roses were, but I was just, uh, I'd only been, I'd been nine or ten when the 89. Yeah. Um, so I never thought I would see them. And then yeah, see, I see them three times. I went to the, I went down to Heaton Park, the, the Sunday night in Heaton Park. Yeah. And then I seen them Glasgow Green, and then I seen them the last one there in Hampton. Yeah, Glasgow Green, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I went to most of them reunion show. I was buzzing because my me, me son's twenty five, and 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 well, my son. It was. It, I'm just glad my son saw them. You know what I mean? Because obviously, it 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 grew up listening to them through me, listening to Ian Brown, and then. When they reformed in 2011, where he got the chance to see them with me, you know what I mean? And yeah, uh, I remember well, in, they did a secret show in Halifax in 2016, and I didn't tell him. And I just said, We're going to a gig tonight. And I took him and we, we sat with Ian's mum and dad and things like that on the balcony. And, and, and he was absolutely buzzing his tits off, you know. That right. was in a Storm Rosie show with a thousand people, I think it were in attendance. So. Yeah, well, that, just to, just just for the fact I could take my son, you know. Well, when we went to Heaton Park, obviously I went. Uh, Mama sees us for London, so we were driving down to. Um, we were driving down to the Inglis, and I said, "Right, we're, we're going to get a hotel. We we'll stop at Manchester, and I'm going to this gig." Um, and my pals went, and there was meant to be three. My pals went and pulled it, so my my pal took his son for. Uh, what age was he? I don't even think he was 14. It might have been about 12 year old. Yeah, yeah. It was his second hour gig seeing Stone Roses at Heaton Park. And, yeah. And for then, he's came to gigs. He's came to all the gigs with us 
up, up and down the country, Barrowlands and all that. And uh, yeah, this is him now, Dylan. He's just turned eighteen and starting to get. He's, he's patching us now. He doesn't want to come to gigs with us. He's going to gigs yeah. himself. Well, that's mate, good, but... isn't it? You know what I mean? Like they listen to our, our influences and then, like I say, I've been to the Nebworth. I went to the original Nebworth watching the to Sam. I went to Nebworth last year watching Liam and the amount of young kids about and. It, yeah. It's unbelievable, you know, the amount of young kids at the Rosie shows and and they've been at Monday's shows and things like that. It, and it, it's really, really good that that music, well, it stood the test of time, innit? And, and yeah. these kids I mean, are there's, there's ones where I've been to see Liam Gallagher a couple of times now in the, in the hydro, and you get young kids, and a lot of them, they don't really, they're not that, they don't care for the Oasis songs, they just want Liam Gallagher stuff. His new stuff, now, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? it it's mental how kind of people that are, the younger ones are embracing the new stuff, and that's what's pushing it on. Yeah, I think a lot of influences it is off the dads, off the parents, and things like that. You know what I mean? And um, long, long may it continue. You know what I mean? That the, the, these bands keep getting that exposure, and it it keeps that flame lighting. You know what I mean? For bands like Oasis, the Roses, and things like that. So, yeah, but yeah, Ian Brian are making chicken and rice from Buzz Rocks in Manchester. Right, that's what he eats. <laughs> uh, my third one, oof. probably Doctor Dre. Um, just fucking an, an absolute genius, production genius, lyrical genius. Just you know, what I mean, N.W.A. Fucking, and then his own stuff. The Chronic is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, yeah, so it's 2001. But can you imagine being in them rooms um, with Snoop and Dre and Easy and and all? And it, it must be comical coming out with what they come out with. You know what yeah. I mean? And, I mean, there's so uh, much talent there as well. Isn't yeah, there? it's just unbelievable. And uh, yeah, Doctor Dre, man, he he's a dude. I went watching Snoop not long ago at the MEN and just blew me away again. It's fucking unreal. Snoop's a good yeah. guy, so I always I like to look at that picture and wearing that Celtic coat every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I say, so Doggy Style and, and The Chronic are in my top five albums of all time, just mm-hmm. constantly. I've listened to them for 30 years, and that, and I'll probably listen to them another 30 years. You know, just timeless albums, what caught me. Um, so, yeah, Dr. Dre, um, and I, I don't know what I'd make. <laughs> I get, get, get him an hamburger. <laughs> He's American, <laughs> isn't he? They only eat hamburgers on there. Fourth one, fuck you know. Probably Sean Ryder. Just a fucking complete and utter nutcase, isn't he? You know, lived a life, done it all, you know, and and still around to tell the tale. I always thought Sean Ryder and Bez would be very early deaths, you know what I mean? But they just keep going and going and going and uh, just some of the some of the lyrics on, on Sean's bummed is fucking lyrically unbelievable, you know what I mean? For for a guy at that age as well where he was writing stuff like that, it's fucking but he was only writing about what I write about. taking drugs, good partying and, and and having a buzz, you know what I mean? And uh, lyrically, fuck me, there's not many Poets like Sean Ryder, you know, really, yeah. really underrated as well of the Mondays. Well, that's the thing that they're, they're a funny one. I, I kind of 
obviously I always knew them, but it was it was only about five years ago that I really started listening to them and understanding them, yeah. how how good he is lyrically and Oh man, fucking hell, he's unbelievable. When you once you start delving deep into his lyrics, it's like wow, you know. Uh, but like I say, he's just talking about the streets and lived his life and and still still living it. You know what I mean? But yeah, just a fucking dude, man, Sean Ryder. And I'd say in late '88, the Mondays were the best live band going. Uh, some of their gigs in '88, '89, fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Well, um, they we. We do it like them, you know what I mean? We, we, It's like on stage and stuff like that, it, it's pretty unpredictable what we do, you know what I mean? And you've got all these bands with the earpieces in playing to backing tracks now and all in time, one, two, three, four. We just let it flow like the Mondays and I think I think that's one. Um, so, yeah, Sean Ryder. Um, I, think I've, I think I'd give him a pot noodle. <laughs> <laughs> that's some squad as well, day four. I think they would all work well together. Yeah. yeah, fucking hell, yeah, Ian Brown, uh, Sean Ryder, Dr. Dre, uh, yeah, man, fucking I've, brilliant. I'm hoping to get, um, I'm hoping Sean Ryder bounces on, I'm speaking to Kermit. Yeah, sure, yeah. I'm speaking to him on Saturday night, I think, hopefully, and... I'm hoping, hoping that Sean Ryder bounces on as well, there was talk that he I might... Could probably get you, I could probably get the MC tunes on, that'd be a yeah. cracker. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll speak to you after that. I'll, I'll give you an email about that then later yeah. on. Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll speak to him and then pass, pass your contacts on to him, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tunes is a really fucking interesting guy. Um, just a, it, it, like I said, the mad thing with MC Tunes, I, I went to school in 1990 when the Strange Ways riots were on. Um, Wagging school and, and watched the riots and went to Eastern Block. And next minute, come out of Affleck's Palace. There were four of us in school uniform. Uh, Tunes comes out on his own. So we followed him. He, he was going to Hume. So we turned around, spliff in his mouth. Fucking had a spliff with him. Sent us on our way. And then 30 years later, I was, I'm working with him musically and on stage with him. It's fucking mad how, how that come about as well. You know what I mean? Um, but what a dude, man! He he he, he DJs at our gigs and and stuff. Um, so we get him DJing him, and then he comes on and does a cameo with us, and we'll do the only round that bites, and we'll do a Dust Junkies tune, mate. And to work with him, he's just a cons- just a professional, you know what I mean? And he, he he's someone I'd, I'd really highly highly recommend to get on your podcast, so I can put you in touch with him, no problem. Yeah, that that would be amazing. I'm always looking for new guests. Yeah, um, he's a dude. Absolute pleasure having you in. Uh, yeah, no problem. Thank you. Let much, you go man. and get the, your painting done. But I know, yeah. <laughs> before we go, if MD's wanting to get a, a hold of you, where's best to, to get in touch? Well, we're on Facebook, uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, any of them. Uh, our merch is on www www.oneloverecords.co.uk you can find our merch and uh, just news on there and stuff like that and uh, yeah probably Twitter's the main page we use you know what I mean so but yeah you can find us anywhere YouTube channel as well our new videos on there our theories of power Um, so yeah just like I say we've got loads to come started writing album free as well so we're in it for the long 
for it for the long term, if you know what I mean. I've, I've got a lot to say, so as long as I've got a lot to say, I'll keep saying it and, and keep writing. So, yeah, man. Cool. Nice, man. I'll post all the links anyway on the description notes at the bottom of the podcast, but I absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you for having me on and, yes, and good luck. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes pod at gmail.com You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly, enjoy. Enjoy.